Hi everyone, welcome to our podcast, Breathe In, Write Out, a podcast for high school, college, and university students about making the most out of academic life. We touch on study skills, student life, career transition, overall well-being, personal development, and other topics that impact young adults. At the end of each podcast, we send our listeners off with a short guided meditation and writing prompt. We hope that through these discussions, meditations, and writing exercises, we can build an open, caring, compassionate community that supports personal growth. I'm Lisa Fow, the founder and CEO of Fow Academic Writing, where we focus on teaching young adults the communication skills necessary to reach their full potential on the page and in life. Get into a cozy spot, grab your pen and notebooks, and let's meet our first guest. This week's episode is about how to boost your resilience during COVID-19. The past few months have been a difficult time for many, with dramatic lifestyle changes such as being isolated at home. While it's easy to feel discouraged, by taking small steps to build resilience, you can feel more in control and empowered in your life. Our guest this week is Sarah Lang, a certified coach who supports people to dream big, launch new projects, and bring creative visions to life. She's also an instructor at the University of Toronto School of Continuing Studies, where she teaches leadership presence, public speaking, and presentation skills. She's passionate about helping her students develop their speaking confidence and skill set so they can make a bigger impact. Sarah has a BA from McGill University and an MA from the Monk School of Global Affairs at the University of Toronto and she was also my grad school classmate. Welcome to our podcast, Breathe In, Write Out, Sarah Lang. Hello, and thank you for the warm welcome. You're welcome. Um, We're very glad to have you on our show today. I think this is an important topic. I guess just to begin, we were wondering, how did you begin your career as a coach? And if you could just tell us a little bit more about your educational background, I guess your path to becoming a coach? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say like many people out there, I had a bit of a circuitous journey or a winding road to get to where I am now um, as a full-time coach. And of course, when I look back, I can, you know, see a story or see the dots that connect. I've always been really passionate about personal development uh, since I was a teenager and had an interest in coaching, which I sort of put on the side burner um, for many, many years. Uh, But in the meantime, did a lot of other interesting things, um, including living abroad for four years. I worked as a teacher uh, in Tokyo. I was um, a student in Hong Kong. I did a master's in Asian studies, which is where I met Lisa, as she mentioned. Um, I also built a career in the nonprofit sector where I worked as an events manager and a project specialist. Uh, So I did a lot of interesting work, but on the side, I had this really, really burning um, interest, this deep interest in personal development and in leadership coaching. And um, finally, it was actually when I was pregnant with my second kid, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go for this. So I started my coaching credentials. I I, I took my time because I was still working full time um, and I had 
one child at home and then was pregnant with another. So I really took one course by one course. I certified at a place called um, CTI uh, or Coactive Coaching and uh, did the entire certification process. And then once I certified as a coach, I started, you know, you hear the expression, uh, you know, starting a business or a project off the side of your desk. I, I, it literally <laughs> was, it really was off the side of my desk. And I would, you know, speak to clients when my kids went to bed at 8 PM, crossing my fingers and my toes that they wouldn't wake up. Um, and I did that for a few years. And then three years ago, um, launched and in, jumped into it full time and wow. yeah. And really, um, you know, built out my practice from then. And then, um, also, um, assume this new role as an instructor at the University of Toronto, mm -hmm. um, which cool. has been a great compliment. Yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of not really going full circle, but kind of. I you, know. You've done, done work at U of T before <laughs> after school, but in yeah. a totally different role. It's so true. It's so true. It's, uh, it's interesting to be back at the university in a, in a, different, uh, a different position, but yeah, there is that familiarity. Well, I know you've always been like, I mean, I haven't seen you for quite some time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we weren't in school. We haven't been in school for, we won't say how long. And <laughs> Our secret. Uh, but I do remember you're a really good listener because I kind of went through a tough time. And I just, I think when your oldest was just a little baby, I came over for tea and you had, even at that time before you took your I don't know if you'd taken your, I don't think you had done the coaching then. And yeah, you were just a really good listener and had some solid advice. So it seems like a really good fit. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's a, a good memory. Um, I remember that too. So, I mean, I think you pretty much could help anyone, but <laughs> who are some of your typical clients and what, what kinds of people benefit from coaching or your coaching? Yeah. So you're right. I mean, I would say that really absolutely anyone and everyone will benefit from coaching, no matter age or occupation or level of quote unquote success. I mean, I think coaching can benefit anyone. I would say that the biggest results will come from people who want to be coached, mm. right? You have to, you have to have that openness, that desire for growth and change and be ready for it. And um, as well, people who are ready to open up about themselves be honest about their lives and are willing to be creative and really collaborate um, with me to come up with some new ideas and take action on them. So I do think absolutely everyone can benefit, but it is that willingness that will allow the results to happen, that sort of readiness. Hmm. Well, um, what can you tell us a little bit about what exactly is a coach? Because, I mean, I think people might get it confused with like a uh, psychotherapist or yeah. like, what's kind of like, what does a coach do? Yeah, that's, that's a, it's a good question to have clarity on. So there are numerous um, key differences, but I'll start with um, a, a big one, which is with psychotherapy, the focus is often on the past. Mm. Right, so on the client um, or patient, I should say, past, and, and particularly if there are any wounds that need healing. Hmm. So looking at the past up to the present, whereas, and then you know, a psychotherapist also can prescribe drugs, etc. So 
but it's really that focus on healing and with the past. And forgive me if any psychotherapists are listening and I've you know, missed a key detail, but that is one defining difference. Uh, in contrast, coaching, with coaching, we're focusing on the present and the future. So what's happening now and where do you want to get to in your personal life, in your professional life, and how can we get you there? So the focus is not on the past. That said, sometimes the past might influence us. So, you know, that will come up and it's no topic is, is out of bounds. Um, but the, the focus is really on moving projects, moving ideas, initiating change, managing a transition from now to the future. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. The topic of our interview today is about resilience. Yes. So I was wondering, um, through your coaching, how do you help clients build resilience? And also if you could just touch upon why it's so important to be resilient, especially right now with COVID-19. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, let's start with the, um, with the last part of that question. Why is resilience so important? Um, you know, Lisa, you started the interview by just highlighting how challenging the past few months have been mm -hmm. for all of us. Right. Um, so our ability to navigate through and move through this period of change and uncertainty um, is is paramount right mm -hmm. yeah so why don't I why don't I start by just telling you what my definition of resilience is that I work with okay um, because that's linked to why I think it's so important all the time including now uh, which is that resilience is our ability to move through a challenging or stressful time and come out the other side. But it's more than that too. It's coming out the other side, having been transformed by that challenge. So it's mm -hmm. coming out this, the other side stronger than we were before, wiser, yeah. more able. Hmm, that's a really good point. I think people don't think of it like that. Hmm. They don't, they just think, okay, I got through. But like, that's a really good point. You got through, but you're, you've gained something. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, and I agree with you, Lisa. I think that people often have more of a limited idea of it as like, you know, the bouncy ball or the elastic band. Mm -hmm. You know, oh yeah, I can bounce back. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> important. And have you allowed that discomfort to transform you and make you stronger and give you those gifts of wisdom? Mm -hmm. So what kinds of things, because we've been kind of in this COVID crisis for a while now, not that long, but long enough, what kind of things are you seeing when, where you can sort of see examples of resilience just, I don't know, in the media, in your neighborhood, with your clients? How are you seeing this play out? Mm -hmm. Well, I look at building resilience i mean when i think about the flexibility people have had to me that's resilience i think we have adapted very quickly many of us mm. in many ways yeah. that seemed totally impossible right i know i thought you i don't want to do online i don't i don't want to do that yes and now and now i'm like this is great i don't want to go back mm. don't tell me when i said that 
Yeah, no, that's so interesting. I mean, even thinking about, um, you know, wearing masks and how strange that seemed at the beginning for me. Oh, yeah. And now my thought about it is that it just looks normal. Mm -hmm. Well, I still get a little bit of the, we're living in a zombie apocalypse. Feeling, yeah. But. yeah. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. I'm not saying we've completely changed our minds, but I think the fact that we've been able to change our thoughts about this so radically over a few months is a great example of how how flexible our thoughts can be and how our brains can really adapt to new situations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, for some reason, I, I, I mean, I'm, it affects you, the anxiety, the mm -hmm. threat of death everywhere, because we're dealing with an, uh, an infectious um, virus. But for some reason, I was not too worried about humanity's ability to get through this. Mm. Because if you, I've always studied history, and mm -hmm. if you study history, you can see that human beings come up against a lot of really tough stuff, and somehow we come up with creative solutions yeah. and make our way through it and come out like a little bit wiser. Like if we compare this to the Spanish flu, yeah, we're using some of the same public health techniques like wearing masks, uh, isolating, that tracking, those kinds of things. But we've also gotten a little smarter, like we can make a vaccine, uh, we can use technology to track people. So I find mm -hmm. it's really interesting. And maybe the whole COVID thing is an example of resilience when you look at those kinds of creative solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that's such a great example of kind of taking ourselves out of the anxiety and, and almost taking a bird's eye perspective of what's happening mm -hmm. and, and normalizing it a bit because it's true. It, you know, historically, there's always been suffering. This is a moment of suffering and there's always been suffering and we're moving through that right now. Mm -hmm. So how does that work on an individual level for people? We've kind of talked about collectively mm -hmm. um, with COVID. How does that work individually? So I look at building resilience as kind of two inter, um, interlocking circles. If, if we were on camera right now, I would show you I'm actually moving my hand right now, like in the shape <laughs> of an infinity symbol. <laughs> Okay, so picture that, that's, that's my model that I'm working with. And on the one side, on the first side of the symbol, the first loop is all about learning to process and handle difficulty. Learning to be with what is difficult and accept it. Hmm. Okay. Okay, and then the second half, the second loop is amplifying the positive. So bringing more joy and purpose consciously into our life. So to me, this is really a model that incorporates so much of what we know about resilience, okay? About how to build individual resilience. On the one hand, we need to learn how to accept and be with and not be totally terrified of our pain. Mm -hmm. And by be with, I mean not like resist the urge to numb out, yeah. 
resist the urge to bury our head in the sand. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just truly say, yeah, I'm suffering and I'm scared or I'm terrified or I'm anxious. Mm -hmm. I'm worried. I'm sad. I'm depressed. All of these emotions are just so normal to be experiencing right now. So it is an opportunity right now to really learn how to be with that and find ways to under, you know, allow our bodies to process those emotions and allow ourselves to understand that, you know, our thoughts are creating our feelings and, and, and investigate that and, and just be with that rather than just completely numbing out and spending the whole day on the computer or. Yeah, that's interesting. Because you saw that we saw that trend in the beginning of this crisis. Um, oh right! Store sales went up. You know. Sorry, uh, sorry. What sales went up, Lisa? Liquor, liquor stores. Okay. Yeah. Um, net, a lot more people were on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, people baking bread. Comfort. Yes. Yeah, the bread phenomenon, the sourdough yeah. phenomenon. I mean, they weren't ba- they weren't making salad. I think it's interesting they were making bread, mm-hmm. which is kind of comforting. Comfort. So, but now there's kind of there's I I, I agree with you. There's more of a shift of like, okay, let's all put on our mat. Like, people are kind of working through some of these things mm-hmm. and then adapting. Hmm. Yeah interesting what you say about about those initial bursts of extra netflix and wine and i'm not saying that 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 that's wrong i mean we all have to find our own ways of of coping right mm-hmm. um but i do think that this there that we have a need, there's a, a deep need to learn how to be with the uncomfortable feelings right mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be the first, the first side of the loop. And then if I'm to, um, move to the the second side of the loop about amplifying the positive, I also think there's a huge need to intentionally bring more positivity into our lives. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? It looks different for every person, but it's doing uh, activities every day because they bring you pleasure, whatever they are for you. Mm-hmm. That's you know, monitoring your news intake, that's knowing what your values are and doing things that can bring your values to life. That's having a gratitude practice and really leaning into that and being really grateful, not just writing it down, but really allowing yourself to feel that. Um, That's being close to nature, right? That's having a mindfulness practice because that's going to bring you more peace of mind and greater health benefits. So it's finding things to bring more because our brains are predisposed to look for the negative so we have to do we have to like shower ourselves in love and shower ourselves in goodness Mm -hmm. Uh, sorry go on and i think that's why for people who are on social media during this time you actually started to see an active shift and there was a thing and i think it's still going on called the good news movement because in the beginning, people were just like, oh, COVID, like posting so much about COVID because they were scared. You know, we wanted information. People didn't know what's going on. So you had to be, you had to be really engaged kind of in the news to even know what you're supposed to do. But yeah. then it really got a lot for people. And then people were actively finding stories about puppies or like, you know, lovely, nice stuff 
to kind of counteract all this anxiety provoking news. So I think, you know, that's really interesting. You can actually see it happening. Mm. You can actually see how collectively we're trying to practice resilience using mm. what you just talked about. Right. Yeah. I, so, I agree. so how do you have more to say about building resilience? Or I was going to ask about students. Yeah, well, we can talk about students and resilience. Yeah, so what I think it's really two things. How does resilience impact your school performance? Mm -hmm. And then kind of like, what can I do? Because there's a bunch of kids, basically, that are going back to school in the fall and high school, or they're just going off to university and college, which is already scary. And now it's in this really uncertain time. So, I mean, what would you kind of suggest for them? Okay, two terrific questions. So let's start with the first one. The first question, okay. You said, how does being resilient impact our performance at school? Right. Um, so I have two, two things to, two points on that. And I'd love, you know, I'd love your feedback as well. The the, the first and the more obvious answer is that if you're more resilient, you have more well, you're, you have better well, more resilience means better wellness, mm. right? And it better wellness will mean better results. Okay. What right? do you mean by wellness? I mean, you're going to have, you're going to have improved mental health. Mm -hmm. You're going to yeah, be able to manage, stress, manage stress. Yeah. I was asking that because I think a lot of times, undergrads focus on going to the gym and they would think that's wellness so that's why right well and I also think that you know going to a, the gym is part of it as well right I mean if you're feeling resilient to feel resilient is to feel that you can cope and that you can thrive regardless of what the circumstances are around you mm -hmm. So if you are motivated by a thought that I'm going to be okay, I can do this, the yep. actions that are going to come through are positive actions in your life. You're going to take care of yourself. You're going to study. You're going to go to the gym. You're going to make healthy choices. Mm -hmm. You're going to care for yourself because you are motivated by a belief that you can succeed. I mean, not all the time. I mean, I'm not, you know. Yeah. But generally speaking, this is the way it works. If we think that we're going to succeed, we take actions in order to prove ourselves right. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Well, I think you might take more risks too. Like 100%. ask the question in class. You mm -hmm. know, instead of thinking, oh, if I ask the question, they're going to think I'm stupid. And then you probably don't ask the question, right? Yes. And you know what? That was actually my second point, which is that if you're more resilient, another reason why you're going to get better results at school is that you're going to be more open to taking risks. You trust that you can cope with the consequences of that risk. Yeah. Right. So you might take for in the context of school, I'm thinking you might take more advanced classes or you might apply for that particular program or that course that you're actually really interested in and passionate about even if your background doesn't completely match with the other candidates. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Or you might choose to put yourself forward for a club, or you might choose to put your for yourself forward as a leader for some kind of extracurricular project. These are all stretch activities. And those are suddenly on the menu for you. 
if you think, yeah, I'm going to do this. And even if it flops, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. That's you know, interesting. But, yeah. If, but if you think I'm not going to be able to recover, I'm so scared of dealing with failure. or I'm so you know scared of feeling embarrassed. Then those are no longer on the menu. Mm-hmm. And I think like, uh, I mean, at least I know me when I was a student and Lisa and I were actually just recording another podcast about what's it like to be an undergrad because she just graduated last year. And, uh, you know, during that conversation, we were talking about the transition from high school to university and kind of all the anxiety. And I remember, and we kind of both had a similar thing, is that in high school, maybe we were pretty good at school and felt confident talking in class and stuff. And all of a sudden we go to university and there's so many more people know you it's a new environment and i remember experiencing a lot of self-doubt yes and so you know how would you cope with that if you know in one environment you seem pretty resilient i guess resilience kind of internal but you know and now you're going to this totally overwhelming (laughs) environment that's extremely competitive and you're kind of doubting that it's going to be okay, which I think is kind of natural because it's kind of a slap in the face when you mm-hmm. go off to university, especially if you came from somewhere else. So I came from a rural town to the city to go to the university uh, in my undergrad. Lisa came from Vancouver, moved to Toronto by herself as a 18 year old. So that's like a big difference, a big, you take the risk and right. then you're like, uh what (laughs) i don't know if i can do this yeah and i think but i think that that's just it life is always going to present us with challenges and our resilience level our resilience will be put to the test we're constantly going to be stretched yeah that's true so i guess maybe realizing that yes normalizing it Mm -hmm. because I think what you learn in high school, like, because school is pretty structured, and as you go along, it gets a little less structured, a little less structured, but when you're in that structure, there's still, like, a little bit of a narrative that, like, well, if you make a mistake, you failed, right, because, oh, I got a D, I'm a failure, because I didn't quite get what is expected of me to do this particular task, right, so, I think that kind of counteracts resilience because you're going to fail or I mean, who knows what fail actually means, right? It means different things for different people, but I think that's the big, the big shock when you go from high school to university or college is that kind of like, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm not performing the way I used to. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can do this. And I think, normal like I was saying to Lisa Lisa M is I know my grades dropped 20% and but fortunately I forget who if it was my guidance counselor or someone in high school had said you know this is what you should expect like this is normal mm-hmm. it's normal you're going to struggle the first year or two so when that happened I wasn't panicked Mm -hmm. I didn't think like, oh my God, I'm so stupid or something. Mm -hmm. I just kind of thought, okay, this is part of the process. Yeah. So it sounds like, you know, resilience is those two 
kind of the infinity symbol you talked about, but it's also that, you know what, life isn't linear, mm-hmm. like up and down, and sometimes you're going to doubt yourself and whatnot, but that's part of the process. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And also what I'm, what I'm taking away from what you're saying is the importance of having a growth mindset. Mm, that's true. Right. And it's, it's saying, oh yeah, this is hard. I don't know how to do this yet, but I can learn. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So what would you, what would you kind of recommend to that scared first year student who is doubting themselves and needs to work on building their resilience? What would you say to them? Or yourself? What would you say to yourself? If you could go back and talk to yourself. <laughs> um, so, okay. So I want to think of the best way to say this. Cause I want, cause what I'm hearing from you are you would, you would like some like tangible tips. Sure. Go for it. A tangible tip. A tangible resilience tip. Uh, okay. Number one, and this has to do with growth mindset. Write a list of 10 times in your life where you didn't know how to do something and then you learned how to do it or you overcame something different, something difficult. That's big. And would you put that list up somewhere? You could keep it it in your journal. You could read it every night before bed. You can put it on your bulletin board. Essentially what you're doing is you're gathering evidence for yourself that you can do hard things and that you can learn new things. Mm -hmm. It's kind of cognitive behavioral therapy-esque. Yes. In a way. It is. Yeah. A lot of this, a lot of um, the teaching that I do um, has its roots in CBT. So I think having a list of evidence to point to the fact that you can grow, that you can learn new things is a really great, one great activity Mm -hmm. to do. I would also uh, develop a mindfulness practice. Okay. So the first one is my list. And then I'm going to say to pick and choose a few, one or more things from each of my sides of the symbol. So one is learning how to manage and process your emotions. I can't, I can't overstate how important that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I saw you had a chart for your daughter posted on Instagram, (laughs) not that long ago. And how old is she? She's eight. Right. So starting like, so even at eight, you can, start trying to identify these things so to 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 manage not even to manage her emotions to understand her emotions and to realize that she's gonna experience all of the emotions and they're all fine Mm -hmm. yeah within reason of course this is you know if if one is not experiencing severe mental health issues um but you know if if one is well mentally well and they they have access, we have access to a full range of emotions. So I would say finding a practice, like a mindfulness practice, um, there might, a self-compassion meditation or other meditations that really 
um, connect you with your emotions or just allow you to stay in the present. And developing that is a great sort of exercise to get started with that side. And then with the other side, with amplifying the positive, I would say absolutely create a practice where you're intentionally bringing more joy and genuine positivity into your life. Okay. Right? So whether that's, if you love reading, you read for pleasure every day. If you love walking and listening to a podcast, that's what I love to do. You do that every day. If you, you know, you love painting or just putting on some, you know, Janet Jackson and dancing in your kitchen, <laughs> do things that make you happy. Put pleasure on the menu and happiness on the menu. Um, you know, develop a gratitude practice, really put time every single day, even if it's just 10, 20, 30 minutes where you're intentionally bringing joy and pleasure to your life. So I would say the combination of daily finding a way to sit with and be with your emotions and then even the hard ones, especially the hard ones, and then finding time every day to bring some more joy and positivity into your life. And then reading that list of all those times that you've overcome obstacles and you've learned new things as a reminder that growth is perennial. Like you're going to have to grow and learn so many new things. And starting at university means you're at the bottom. You're just beginning. You're right. just beginning. There's nowhere to go but up. And you're not supposed to know how to do it. You're not supposed to know yeah. how to navigate and ace everything or figure it all out. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because so, sometimes my students are kind of like, how did you, how did you like write that sentence so fast or current? How did you? And I just remind them like, I have 20 years on you. <laughs> In 20 years, you'll probably be better than me. So, so, you know, writing is a practice. If you do it every day for 20 years, you're gonna get pretty good at it. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. I also liked, I liked the two things you said there um, in terms of like mindfulness and the, doing things you love, because I think still in our culture, there's a lot of talk, like even if you go on YouTube or whatever, you know, like take a cold shower, like be tough, be disciplined, like focus. <laughs> and there's not, there's, and then, you know, it seems like, you know, well, if I do something fun, I'm going to fall behind on my productivity. If I care about how I feel, like I'm being illogical. Mm -hmm. So I think the fact that you're kind of saying no, you know, like being aware and, not only aware, but kind of valuing your emotions because mm -hmm. they give us information. I think we forget this. Mm -hmm. Like emotions are important. If you are out walking and a dog barks at you and you feel scared, we're wired for that for a reason. Mm -hmm. To like tell you, hey, like approach this dog, this situation cautiously. Like you don't want to ignore that like oh logically i'm bigger than the dog and i could run away like no pay attention to how you feel and then yeah the other piece about do something you like because i think that's how people get burned out and this can happen to students right because it's like oh i have all these assignments i have these tests 
I see this all the time, you know, so focused on the things that need to get done that they forget to like hang out with their friend, go watch a movie. Like these things actually make you more productive, Mm -hmm. but, but we're kind of, there's a whole narrative out there that's telling us big time. So, yeah, I completely agree. I love what you said about how emotions give us information. (laughs) And I agree. There's a huge narrative around sort of just controlling your emotions and being really strong. And that is not my, my philosophy or methodology. It really isn't because emotions motivate our actions. Mm-hmm. Like that is what triggers our actions and then our actions create our results. So when we feel good, when we feel confident, when we feel excited, when we feel like something is possible, when we feel capable, mm-hmm. guess what? We take good action. We try our best. We show up. Yep right? When we, on the contrary, when our emotions are anxiety, dread, I feel like an imposter. I feel totally overwhelmed. I feel like I don't know anything. What kind of action does that produce? Hide under the bed. Hide under the bed. There's no, you know, for long-term success, we have to care for ourselves and love ourselves. It's not about punishing ourselves into results. Right. And I think, you know, I really like to read biographies and we're going to get into book. Lisa has some questions about books coming up. But if you read biographies, like even Warren Buffett, Mm -hmm. who is kind of known for being very minimalist, you know, lives in the same house he's always lived in. He doesn't really, like, he's not a fancy guy, but he drinks a Coca-Cola and has his little McDonald's cheeseburger almost every day. I guess, you know, that's his way of having some sort of pleasurable experience. So okay, even this person who's sort of viewed as, you know, very successful, very productive, very wealthy might fit into that traditional narrative of like, you know, work hard, don't do these things. Even that person Mm -hmm. has a simple pleasure that he does every day. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, yeah, if you, you'll find a lot of this, a lot of these people Mm -hmm. we kind of admire in history. There's some aspect, if they, if they live a long time, Mm -hmm. we don't kind of peter out like a lot of geniuses unfortunately do. But um, there's parts of their lives that have exactly what you're talking about. They're very aware of who they are, what they want, what's going on with them. And they're also, there's parts of their life that give them, you know, happiness. Like Carl Reiner is an old comedian. He just passed away. And him and Mel Brooks every day, they're like in their 90s, every day would meet and have TV dinner together and watch a movie. I love that. Yeah. What a great life. Yeah. That is a great life. And that's a, yeah, that's a a great story. 
I just want to say first that this is all very helpful advice. Um, I really wish I heard some of this stuff when I was still a student, and I hope some people can hear this podcast and um, get some help from that. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Um, I was just wondering, the last thing was, what are some resources or books that you would recommend for students or maybe just for anyone who wants to learn more about building resilience? Sure. Um, so I have three suggestions that I'll share. The first is a book called Resilient, and it's written by Rick Hansen. Mm. A lot of a lot of books on resilience. This one I really like. I find it. Um, it's a great read. It's it's very practical and it's a great um, easy read, like easy to get into. So I would recommend Rick Hansen's book Resilient, and he has tons of other recommendations and resources in that particular book. So it's a good way to get started on the topic. The other book um, that I would recommend is called Mindset and it's by Carol Dweck. Okay. D-W-E-K. There might be a Y in there. D-W. Anyways, it's called Mindset and it's Carol Dweck. It's, um, a very well-known book and it's an excellent book and it's all about growth mindset hmm. and how to develop your growth mindset. And I think this just ties in so perfectly to the concept of resilience, particularly when it comes to students yep. and, and how to feel more at ease with the growth process, which is really completely natural. But feel so, you know, can feel so terrifying and scary. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really recommend that one as well. And then the third thing I would recommend is that I am offering um, from my website uh, a series on resilience. It's called Everyday Resilience. And every week I have a new um, technique or tip that I share uh, that all complement this concept, this sort of infinity concept that I told you about today about learning how to be with challenging situations and then learning how to intentionally bring more joy and pleasure um, and, and meaning into our life. So you are welcome to check out my website or sign up and I will deliver those straight to your inbox. Wow, great. How can we find out more about you? Um, well, when you log on to my website to sign up for your Everyday Resilience newsletter, should you so choose, you can read more about me there. And my website is www.sarahlang, all one word. So S-A-R-A-H-L-A-N-G dot C-A. And uh, the website has tons of articles uh, that can help you and tips and ideas and you can learn more about me and about my uh, different coaching offerings on my site. Okay, great. Um, thank you so much for taking this time today to come on our podcast and share your expertise. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was fun to be with you both and great to talk about this um, with my old school pal Lisa <laughs> P. <laughs> and uh, for those that don't know Sarah's also often on Instagram 
and her handle is her name, Sarah Lang Coaching. So look that up. For you guys who are listening, remember to stay tuned. We do have a short meditation and writing exercise following this interview. Thanks so much for talking with us, Sarah. You're very welcome. Thank you. During this breathing meditation, you will focus on your breath. This will calm your mind and relax your body. There is no right or wrong way to meditate. Whatever you experience during breathing meditation is right for you. Don't try to make anything happen, just observe. Begin by finding a comfortable position, but one in which you will not fall asleep. Sitting on the floor with your legs crossed is a good position to try. Close your eyes or focus on one spot in the room. Roll your shoulders slowly forward and then slowly back. Lean your head from side to side, lowering your left ear towards your left shoulder and then your right ear toward your right shoulder. Relax your muscles. Your body will continue to relax as you meditate. Observe your breathing. Notice how your breath flows in and out. Make no effort to change your breathing in any way. Simply notice how your body breathes. Your body knows how much air it needs. Sit quietly, seeing in your mind's eye your breath flowing gently in and out of your body. When your attention wanders, as it will, just focus back again on your breathing. Notice any stray thoughts, but don't dwell on them. Simply let the thoughts pass. See how your breath continues to flow, deeply, calmly. Notice the stages of a complete breath. From the in-breath, to the pause that follows, the exhale, and the pause before taking another breath. See the slight breaks between each breath. Feel the air entering through your nose. Picture the breath flowing through the cavities in your sinuses and then down to your lungs. As thoughts intrude, allow them to pass and return your attention to your breathing. See the air inside your body after you inhale, filling your body gently. Notice how the space inside your lungs becomes smaller after you exhale and the air leaves your body. Feel your chest and stomach gently rise and fall with each breath. Now as you inhale, count silently, one. As you exhale, count, one. Wait for the next breath and count again, one. Exhale, one. Inhale, one. Exhale, one. Continue to count each inhalation, exhalation as one. Notice how your body feels. 
see how calm and gentle your breathing is and how relaxed your body feels. Now it is time to gently reawaken your body and mind. Keeping your eyes closed, notice the sounds around you, feel the floor beneath you, feel the clothes against your body, wiggle your fingers and toes, shrug your shoulders, open your eyes and remain sitting for a few moments longer. Straighten out your legs and stretch your arms and legs gently. Sit for a few moments more, enjoying how relaxed you feel and experiencing your body reawaken and your mind returning to its usual level of alertness. Slowly return to standing position and continue with the rest of your day feeling re-energized. Thanks everyone for staying tuned to the second part of our podcast and special thanks to Sarah Lang for that lovely interview on resilience. And I thank you to Lisa Monk for the very soothing meditation. So on that topic of resilience, I want to do a quick book recommendation and then a writing prompt kind of based on the interview we had with Sarah. I know that Sarah gave us a couple wonderful books to read. And when this interview topic came up for me, it of course made me think of Brene Brown, who is a wonderful author. And I read, I think all five of her books, but the one that came into my mind for this interview is her book, Rising Strong, which is really focused on Kind of the skills and the mindset you need when you dare greatly as she says and you put yourself out there and you fall down and you get your butt kicked and that can be really discouraging and really hard and really scary and that's when resilience comes in and kind of the practices that Sarah was talking about so I wanted to just share a quote from that book, Rising Strong by Brene Brown. And she was inspired to write this book kind of based on a quote by Teddy Roosevelt um, called In the Arena. So if you Google Teddy Roosevelt in the arena, you'll find the original quote. But here's the quote from Brene Brown. I want to be in the arena. I want to be brave with my life. And when, when we make the choice to dare greatly, we sign up to get our asses kicked. We can choose courage or we can choose comfort, but we can't have both, not at the same time. Vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. So today's writing exercise, I kind of want you just to take a moment and absorb that quote. And if you want, you can pause the podcast, you can go back, you can listen to it again. And I want you to think back also to the tip that Sarah gave about writing a list of 10 times you kind of overcame a challenge or 
um, 10 things you achieved. So I kind of want to modify that a bit and think a little bit about this quote, which is talking about you were brave, but things didn't really go as you planned and you kind of fell down and you failed. And so this time, I want you to not only make a list of 10 things you have achieved, as Sarah suggested, but I want you to make a list of 10 times things didn't go as you planned. You put yourself out there and things didn't go the way they you hoped they would. Now this might bring up some feelings for you, so really take the time to do this. And if you do get upset by those memories, that's okay, that's part of the writing process. But take a moment to write down 10 things. So, for example, one thing I can think of for myself is I got married and it didn't work out. So I took the risk of getting married and I ended up getting divorced. So that's a thing where I put myself out there. It didn't exactly go as I planned, but I'm still here. Okay, so write down those quote unquote failures. Don't worry, we're going to have a second part to this. So pause the podcast if you like while you, you come up with these 10 memories. And now what I want you to do is think about what happened after you fell. Did you pick yourself back up? Probably, you're still here. What did that look like? What did what did you do? What positive outcome maybe came out of things not working out like you originally hoped? Maybe something different happened. So if I go back to my original example of I got married, I ended up going through a very painful divorce, but I'm still here, I still exist. Um, if I use that one, I think the positive that came out of that is that I no longer had an excuse as to why I couldn't start my business. So I often put my business on the back burner um, to support my ex-husband and his dreams. And so that situation not working out gave me the push to follow one of my dreams. So maybe go through, or I want you to go through each of the situations that didn't work out and write down how that situation motivated you or opened your eyes to or changed your perspective on something and caused something better to come out of a situation of falling down and getting hurt and it not being the greatest. So thank you for doing that exercise. I know that probably wasn't fun, but the, the point of it for me is kind of to see 
a couple things. One, everything is temporary. So, for example, during the period of my divorce, I was very sad and it was very hard. But I can say today, I'm a very different person. And that experience helped me to be stronger and to really learn to love myself. So I'm not in that same space. It's temporary. And also the fact that we can learn and grow a lot from tricky, difficult, painful situations if we're in and we can continue to accept and cultivate a growth mindset. So that's what I want you to have. It's not just a list of your achievements, but a list of almost like a dividing line. 10 things that didn't go well and 10 things that came out of, that are hopefully mostly positive, that came out of those situations that originally seemed dire. And the purpose of that is to remind you, even when things don't seem great, when you put yourself out there, when you fail, when you get hurt, when you get rejected, if you keep going, if you put one foot in front of the other, there's probably something on the other side or at the end of the tunnel that you don't expect that's going to be even better than what you started out with if you just continue on your path, doing your best, putting yourself out there, being brave. So thank you so much for giving that a try and for listening to our podcast. I do check and see how many listeners we have and I'm very curious so feel free to send us a comment. We hope you enjoyed today's show. To find out more about FAO Academic Writing you can check out our website at www.fao.ca or follow us on social media at FAO underscore academic writing. If you need any extra support with your academic studies or writing skills, send us a message anytime. We look forward to helping you reach your full potential on the page and in life.